Well, we're back on Studs Up. After the Cheltenham Festival, the thrills and spills of what was just the most brilliant week at Cheltenham, we're back to reflect on it and look ahead to the Grand National. And uh, this podcast, as always, brought to you by Oddschecker and Skybet, will feature a special guest. We'll introduce our special guest for this week in a few moments' time. But as always, I'm joined by my, you know it by now, my studs up strike partner, Charlie Austin. Chaz. How do we reflect on Cheltenham? Was it a good week for you? Bad week? Your, your studs up tip went in, so I imagine you're pretty pleased with that. Hello, mate. Yeah, I, listen, on, on my behalf, I think I've done very well. I backed the treble on the first day. I didn't back onto Tista. I didn't add it into a fourfold, so I was pleased with that. And then basically I played with their money, but my nap won first race on the, <laughs> on the Wednesday, didn't it? So happy days, mate. Uh, that was a great shout from you. And all through Studs Up, you've been absolutely buzzing and raving about Bob Ollinger and you were spot on. He's he's a proper horse. And we've spoken at length about the stories leading up to Cheltenham and racing really needed a good news week. And I think the performances of Rachel Blackmore, I mean, I, I don't think racing could have asked for, for anything more, could they? Listen, I think racing was on its backside, wasn't it? Weeks leading up to Cheltenham. And then all of a sudden, the shining light come and Rachel Blackmore just took the festival by storm and it's what racing needed don't worry about what Cheltenham needed it was what racing needed and Hmm. it got to the front pages and it was on the front pages for the right reasons Ollie and that was the main thing definitely and I think there's a, a real buzz about the sport again which is terrific now we've joked throughout the series about the studs up effect because it seems to have revitalized your season scoring goals for fun at QPR but I tell you what, the studs up effect couldn't have gone any better for Henry de Bromhead. He was our special guest in our Cheltenham Festival preview show. And he became a history maker, winning the champion hurdle, the champion chase and the gold cup all in the same season. The first time any trainer's done that. I mean, he was a gentleman, wasn't he? But boy, he's some trainer. Mate, it was it was brilliant. Honestly, he come on and he, he couldn't have given us any more. And you just he was very bullish about his his chances, but almost like he... He said he didn't want to put any the junks in it because he's not the best tipster and stuff. But look, nothing was going to stop him. It was great to see. It was a lovely bloke to speak to. And I'm sure Skybet and Ozchek will be trying their hardest to get us over there to film on the beach now. Did you say junks on it? Jinx, junks. <laughs> you know what? That made me, uh, that reminded me of. Um... Uh, I know it was a slip of the tongue, but Chris Hughes, who was a, I was in the social stable with all week at, at ITV, he put on his Instagram story, um, you wouldn't batter an eyelid instead of bat an eyelid. And then he got loads of people obviously messaging him saying it's bat an eyelid and it, it just really made me laugh. Anyway, yeah, thankfully we didn't put the jinx on Henry. Do you know what, though? I've been thinking about having a horse at Henry's after that because he that photo he sent me, that image, like we should definitely do it. I think that would be great fun. He can, he can clearly deliver it if he gets sent the ammunition. I just think that it's, like I said to you before, owning racehorses is not just about going to the track. It's the whole experience. And just the way he described the mornings when he takes the horses down to the beach and into the sea, just as an owner, you'd love to see it, wouldn't you? Yeah, totally. And what I mean, my head was firmly in the in the racing last week. So forgive me for not keeping a close watch on your 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 opta stats and what have you. But um, what's it been like in the QPR dressing room over the last couple of weeks? You had a, a big win at Millwall. That was a, a hell of a comeback. I saw that. Yeah, we was two 0 down. We was 
we was poor first half and then come back to win three two. You know, it was it was a big win for for us. Important after we had a couple of mishaps, showed just character and team spirit and to to come from behind any team just be 2-0 down at half time to come back and win 3-2 was important and then we drew with Reading just before the international break which we take the point now of course but we come away disappointed not taking three but uh, we've got nine games to go now mate 27 points available just all about finish as high up the league as possible the studs up listeners and viewers wouldn't be aware but when we were sort of rehearsing well coming together for this I was actually in a different place and uh, living in a different place. And there was a builder there called Bill and he's about 65, 70 years old, uh, proper salt of the earth and a massive Millwall fan. And he was absolutely raging with you after that comeback from QPR. It was very entertaining for me, but not very entertaining for him. He is still a big fan of yours, though, Chaz. I can assure you of that. I am pleased with that, old, but he started it, Bill. Bill started <laughs> coming for me for the Swindon days. And, uh, oh, what about your miss at Wembley? said, you know what? I was delighted when we beat him. Yeah. And hence, well, I cannot repeat my voice note to you to forward on to Bill. But let me tell you, I enjoyed every minute. He's got a Nokia 12, so unfortunately he wasn't able to work the voice note. <laughs> Well, mate, your Cheltenham performance put me to shame. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to introduce our special guest and reflect on what was just the most brilliant four days at Cheltenham. And I'm delighted to say that this week we're joined by a man who thought he might miss Cheltenham, actually, after breaking his leg in three places in a freak accident at Fontwell back in November. Um, However, uh, I was delighted to see him recover in time to, to get back on board Sky Pirate, who he rode to victory in the Grand Annual on St. Patrick's Day. We are delighted to welcome into the Studs Up dressing room, jockey Nick Schofield. Nick, welcome to Studs Up. Thanks for joining us. And I'm sure you're probably still on cloud nine, aren't you? Yeah, hey guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on this Cool Kids um, podcast. This is, <laughs> obviously, I've heard this is, well, I've listened, this is the one to watch. So, um, yeah, it's an honour to be amongst you pair so um yeah i feel like i've made it now after the getting on this anyway correct mate um we watch mate we we're winners you come on this show and all it becomes is winners after this mate uh, and i'll tell you what if the studs of effect um that has, has worked for henry and uh, and Chaz kicks in for you you're gonna have a brilliant rest of the season um and already i imagine after that cheltenham win you'll look back on this year obviously with the injury frustrating but a such a good win because I know that that owner has been very loyal to you. You've been very loyal to the owner, but that horse is such a special horse in in your eyes. Was it for you one of the most satisfying wins of your career for all that sort of that story that goes with it? Do you reckon? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, any sports person, you know, will tell you when you're injured that you can see light at the end of the tunnel, but it's so frustrating because people take a position and people, you know, are doing well on what you, you need to get back as good as you were. And there's no um, contract. There's, there is a sort of a rough contract, but there's, there's nothing to say if you're not performing that they, they're quite happy to use someone else. It's probably, I'm just sure it's the same in football, but the relief to get that starting position and, um, and you just want to do the best for the people you are there for and um, show that, you know um the, what they they put in you you can give back to them and so um to sort of perform at the Cheltenham Festival and um if you asked me sort of in December would you miss 20 winners or ride a Cheltenham Festival winner I would probably go with ride a Cheltenham Festival winner. It's quite been quite well documented the injury but just explain what what happened and, and what you what you broke because it sounds pretty brutal. Uh I sort of snapped my 
Tib and Fib in three different places. And um, it was just from a, a loose horse side on collision. So sort of the impact of the horse and my leg against my horse just, it was it just snapped it completely. And, um, and like it needed operating on. I've got more metal work in there than you'd ever want, but it was sort of the only option at the time. So um, it, it took, I was back in sort of just under three months, but I'm not the soundest and I'm, I probably would never be able to kick a football, but um, I can walk that's just, and, and ride a horse. That's just, so. <laughs> and that's just a freak. That's just a just a freak, freak accident, Nick. No, I bet you're thinking then, why is it? Why is it me? Like, why did that happen to me? Kind of thing. Yeah, it's horrendous, and like you got there's a lot of worse things happening, and you've, yeah. you've got a positive. And I think once you get over that sort of initial blow you sort of get in the gym you have that bit of motivation you sort of get a bit of drive back in you and like it was it felt ages but actually all, all things it wasn't it could have been a lot it took a lot longer so um and we're well looked after the injured jockeys fund and um the gyms like physios and all this support we get in nutrition and you know probably was fitter by the time I come back than what I was going into the injury. Um, <laughs> the the horses that we're going to talk about, we're going to pick out some standout performances um, from the week. Basically, Henry de Bromhead because he he had a phenomenal week. Yeah. But before we talk about some of the standout performances in the championship races, let's just take a look back at Sky Pirates' victory in the Grand Annual and, and what a terrific win it was. On the slope, still just about in front. The yellow of Sky Pirate on the right, Capusa Mix. On two cars, moved into fourth position. Not that free stays behind those. And Sky Pirate now. Nick Schofield has taken it up as they head towards the closing stages. But here's on two car and Mark Walsh to deliver a late challenge. Sky Pirate in front on two car is gaining with every stride. So I just think Sky Pirate held him. Have you played that back over and over again on your telly at home, watching it back, going, geez, I was good there? I've watched it, yeah, but like it's just done now, isn't it? Is you got to look for the next one. Um, but yeah, no, I appreciate it at the time. It was obviously a lot of people have asked me, like, is it a lot different? It must have been not so good without the crowds. But I promise you, I enjoyed it every bit as much as if the crowds okay. were there and like, we couldn't celebrate and I had a few drinks that night. But like um, Charlie's probably the same with football. When you when you you do well, you, you know how much it's took to get there. So um, you you appreciate it when you do it and the Cheltenham was exactly the same. The actual racing was no different to any other. Like it, it was so competitive. The builds were very tight. The horses, they all sort of got there and um, everyone was there with their A game. And you probably didn't have your social runner. The owners just wanted a day out. So every horse that lined up had a chance and the jockeys were riding like that and there was no inch given. And um, so to, 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 to win the race is, um, you know, it, it still means as much as even if the crowds were there. You know? When did you know you were going to win? Did you think <laughs> early on in the race that you had as good a chance as any? Were you always confident on him? Yeah, like the Grand Annual can be a bit of a lottery. You can't go out of a fixed plan because anything can happen. There's there's a lot of runners that go very fast. And I sort of had a plan in my head that like you've got to be open to, to change A, B, C, D and... To be honest, I didn't have to. I had a good dream run through. Everything opened up for me, and um, it was it couldn't have gone more perfectly. And if, to be honest, if it didn't, I probably wouldn't have won because the second was coming down. Well, handicapped horse with JPs, and that probably didn't get the lap that I did on the day. But 
that's what Cheltenham is about. You need a bit of luck as well as class, you know, especially in those handicaps. Chaz, I'm going to get your thoughts now because um, we're going to turn our attentions to the um, to the champion hurdle and what was a breathtaking win from Honeysuckle. Honeysuckle is galloping clear as she races towards the last. A lovely leap. She cleared it safely and heads up the hill now. Honeysuckle and Rachel Blackmore clear from Sharjah Epitaph behind those. It's a beautiful straight 11 victories for Honeysuckle. She is the winner of the Unibet champion hurdle. D- d- did you... I mean, we've spoken a lot. Ian Dowie actually tipped this horse up on the uh, on his. Well, yeah. thanks to us pointing him in the way. But anyway, we'll, we'll credit <laughs> Ian for that tip. But um, yeah, can you remember a champion hurdle winner in recent times that was as dominant as that? I thought she was breathtaking. She was breathtaking. I think you'd have to go back to Fahim. Hmm. Just in the way that he obviously went. She was brilliant. Fantastic. Do you know, what? looking up against Epitant, you just didn't know what was everyone was thinking. Uh, is, is she going to be able to put it up to her? both of them? The mayor's allowance they're talking about, etc. But regardless of the mayor allowance, she battered them all, didn't she? And Rachel yeah. was fantastic on her from pillar to post. Yeah, she was She was world class. The Rachel Blackmore um, thing, Nick, she's sort of become an overnight superstar in sport. But is it fair to say that everyone in the weighing room has known about how good she is for a long time? Hundred percent. She's fit as a flea, and um, she's the honey. She's jockey version of honeysuckle, isn't she? She's machine. She's hardy as well, though. She can take falls and get back off them. And you know, girls are obviously doing fantastically well, but the falls can sort of knock them. And she can have the most horrific fall, get up, and not bother on her. You know, she's hardy, and she don't take. You know, she's polite. She she doesn't say too much, but she doesn't take no crap off anyone. And um, yeah, no, like jockeys have utmost respect for her because she's very good. On the Tuesday, on the Wednesday side, she went on Bob Ollinger, didn't she? In the first, yeah. Did she win? She rose and Sir Gerard. Yeah, in the bumper, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but they were saying she won the first race and last race, and in between she come off three times. Yeah, but I think that's where obviously Nick's saying like she's strong, gets back up on it, no problem. She wasn't worried about getting falling off the horse. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and there was one I point, I think she had four winners. She had more fools than winners. And that, you know, but people obviously, yeah, she's she's a phenomenon. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Uh, is she, like I was going to say, what what is she like in and around the way? I mean, is she quite a chatty person? Or is she no, just, you don't hear her quiet, keeps her head down, she's focused, um, but nice at the same time, has the crack. Um, and, yeah, you can say a bad word about her. You know, she's. I think she's great for racing as well. You know, she's... She's shown, or she's like the Holly Doyle of jump racing, effectively. Yeah, she's um, she's a superstar. The world is at her feet. Let's turn our attentions then to the Ballymore. We can relive Bob Ollinger's win now. Quarter mile to go, one flight to jump in the Ballymore, and it's Rachel Blackmore and Bob Ollinger who've gone for home. Gone a couple clear from Brave Man's Game, and Gallardo and he'll back in third clear of Bear Gills. Bob Ollinger spring heeled over the last, he landed four clear. Gallardo and is chasing, but surely chasing in vain. It's going to be another for Rachel Blackmore and Henry de Bromhead in the Rob Core colours. Bob Ollinger, all guns blazing, lands the Ballymore. Chaz, were you roaring this one home or were you out on the training pitch when this was going in? No, I was at home, mate, watching. But do <laughs> you you know must have been I going like? mad, right? I was going mad. You know when they coming down the hill, was it three out, and he wanted to go and she just tucked him in behind, kept holding him for as long as possible. The way when she jumped two out and then jumped the last, she was gone, mate. I was screaming at the telly. 
because I won a few <laughs> quid. She was brilliant. His performance there just just set the day. And it, listen, for all the stuff everybody was saying, even Jamie Codd saying that he's the biggest certainty going, and he certainly certainly proved that, didn't he, on the Wednesday? He sure did. Uh, well, what was the talk in the in the weighing room after that? Because I know that the English were pretty hopeful with the likes of Brave Man's game, but he sort of ate that up and spat it out. <laughs> Do you want the honest opinion of the English jockeys? So the English jockeys were split up from the Irish jockeys and we fucking hated them so much. We hated the <laughs> Irish jockeys because we, we called it, we got Johns because like we could, every time like they just come past us, they're just like, and to us, I'm not going to say we enjoyed it. Like it was, yeah. we laughed about it because it's just, every time they turn in, they kick into overdrive. And so like, it was a, it must have been. It must have been such a. Just yeah. Can you get like? I know that you're sort of semi-joking to a point, but maybe not actually. Maybe not. What was it like in that weighing room? Because it must have been such a weird atmosphere in the English dressing room, right? Yeah, like I can't say we, we were. To be honest, we were just hating it. To like, without saying bad things about them, but. <laughs> We're just like, for fuck's sake, what's going on? Like, every time they come down the hill, they swoosh past us. And Sam Twiston was quite funny. Every time he come in, he goes, I got John, which means got wiped by the Irish. And they just seem like we're not allowed to social distance and they're just all over you. Like, so, like, we're just like when the stewards come in and give you a debrief, like, to be sensible, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, well, can you tell the Irish to social distance from us? Because, like, they're just, we're not allowed near them, like, in changing rooms. But then they go on the track and they're just all over us. So, like, like it was just, yeah. to be honest, it's unbelievable. Like, I do generally think the Irish are, like, £20 ahead of us, like, buying horses from training horses to riding. Like, they're, they're just, it's, it's their, like, number one sport over there. Like, so mm. it's just so professional and... Um, uh, there's a lot being talked about it, but I just generally think they do everything a bit better at the moment. Is that what you put just simple as that? They're just better? Yeah, I generally think they're sourcing them from a younger age. They're, they've probably got a lot of money owners over there that can afford to buy these horses as well. Don't forget that. But um, I think we got shown up good and proper. Apart from you, you flew the flag in the Grand Annual. Thank you for that. Um, well, they they... They dominated the Gold Cup. We're going to turn our attention to the Gold Cup now. And it was a 1-2 for the man of the week, Henry de Bromhead. Heading to the last, Manella Indo and Jack Kennedy. Aputan is trying to come back at him in second place with three lengths to find up the hill. Manella Indo, he's won here before at Cheltenham. Aputan giving chase all the way. Getting closer now under Rachel Blackmore. Manella Indo is all out, flat out, but he wins the Gold Cup from his second Aputan. Nick, do you think Manella Indo will, will be a Gold Cup winner that could stick around and win a few of these because he looked very good when he won the other day. He did, yeah. Was it because of the better ground? Did he, if it was a bit softer, would it have been a bit more album photos um, chance? Um, but, like, he, he, to be fair, he deserved to be knocking on the door in Ireland. And then, But Rachel Blackmore obviously could have rode him and she thought the, the plus tad was a bit better and he ran a super race and if the ground was a bit softer, he might well have got his head in front. And we haven't had a good ground, like that quicker ground gold cup for the last three years. So um, the fact the ground was a bit drier probably did help him. I thought Manella Indo was brilliant. I thought Aplutard was superb. I actually thought Rachel Blackmore's ride on Aplutard was excellent, just keeping Poole Town End in. It was a, a proper bit of jockey ship in the 
the Blue Ribbon event. Um, so that's a look back at some of the standout performances. As I say, Nick thankfully flew the flag, uh, albeit relatively briefly, for the British because then the Irish went and won another 28 races or whatever it was. But, um, but Nick, well done on what was a, just a terrific win. Um, Chaz, I was just thinking about Nick's injury there and we've spoken about footballers play acting and all that stuff. But what is yeah. the, um, what's the worst injury you've had in your career and, and how did that happen? I mean, I dislocated my shoulder, my my right oh. shoulder. Uh, I've done it like four, four times, both sides, twice both sides. I've had operations both sides. But we was playing Europa League for Southampton against Hersha Bashiva. I've gone up for a header and landed awkwardly. Oh. Dislocated my shoulder, the worst. Was it agony? Anyway, so it sounds I, agony. I, honestly, agony. But then when it goes back in, the pain is like, phew, the relief is incredible. Anyway, so I spoke to the club and my agent. Because I've had it done twice in the UK, I was like, listen, that's it. I'm not getting it done here. You're going to find me. I'm going. The club's going to find me the best in the in the world, and that's what's going to happen. Um, anyway, so they sent me out to the Stedman Clinic in Colorado. Oh wow! I flew, yeah, I flew over there. Uh, Isn't he a knee back- specialist as well? Yeah, yeah. He's the, he's the one that done all the like cruciates, anterior cruciate ligament yeah. operations. Anyway, so I've gone over there to a guy called Peter Millet, and in, in Vail, uh, I went over there like the 20th of December, so Christmas time. Took the took my wife and the kids. Like the club paid for it all. But honestly, it went so it's they had a holiday, white Christmas. I've gone over there, but mate, they took a bone. They took bone from my hip and put it into the back of my shoulder. So the only way I can explain it is if you held the palm of your hand out, my my like yeah, so hold it flat. So yeah. put the other, put your right hand in there, like in the other palm, and then push up, like push up, yeah. That's it. Now, just turn your fingers up to stop it, to stop it from going. Yeah, so that, Nick, how oh, you've got it, right? The, my bone, they put that on the back of my shoulder, but they took it out of my hip. So a Lego-sized bone block out of my hip, put it in the back of my shoulder. Like, the next day, the shoulder was no problem. My hip, mate, for about a week, I just couldn't walk. Jeez. Couldn't, mate, I was in all sorts of bother. But that was the worst by far, mate, the worst by far. Lego How old man. were you when that happened? Twenty was a twenty-seven. So like, and I, that took me to come back for sixteen weeks, and that's why I tipped my. And that was that shoulder and the, the hip thing was that kind of went after about two weeks, three weeks. But that's why I tipped my hat to you, jockeys, man. The, your desire and pain threshold and work rate to get back on, get back on the horses, such mate. Do you know what I mean? To to put your bodies through that again is incredible. The attention turns to entry. Is that right, Nick? Grand National very much on the on in the front of the mind. Yeah, and big week it'll be as well. And um, it's going to be interesting to see who who goes from Ireland because if, if they all turn up, you know, it's, but they've obviously got Punchestown and Ferry House to come, so might not get quite as many over. And obviously, quite difficult travelling and um, whether they'll bother to do the, the whole thing, I don't know. But um, I'm sure they'll bring the good ones over. But let's hope they leave a few races for us to be competitive in. Do you remember your first Grand National? How old were you and what was the horse that you rode in? Uh, mm-hmm. It was about 17 Corn- Cornish set. I think me and Aidan Coleman were like having our first. We were like basically just got out of school, like <laughs> out, out in Liverpool the night before, not having a Scooby Doo, what's going on? <laughs> what, out, out in the town or having a. Yeah. Having a well, boogie in the clubs. Yeah, like um, just a lemonade. and. Uh, I was going to say having a drink. Yeah, you weren't allowed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was a bit different back then. It's got way more professional. Like, yeah. used to, jockeys used to go out and get pissed and, um, in town. And it's not quite like so much like that now. But um, 
Nick, can you give, because Chaz, I mean, I've obviously heard of these stories. I don't know whether you have as well, but Nick, just give us an insight into what it was like back in the day before, like you're 17, you've just left school, you're about to ride in the Grand National. Are you not terrified? And just lost my virginity, so a bit keen and looking at women. <laughs> 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 so, like, yeah, it could all be an eye opener, but like, to be honest, it was a blur, like, just a dream come true. I think I rode in the national, I rode in the Fox, I just top him in the national and got around of all of them, but I couldn't tell you how. Like, I think it was just survival. And I think Paul Nichols put me on some safe ones. The one in the Grand National was called Cornish Set, it was about 100 to 1, but I think I got around for like 12 or something. And, um, it was a blur. Harry, me and Harry Skelton stayed in like a travel lodge and nothing fancy, and I just lived out and enjoyed the week. But uh, it's all a bit different now. <laughs> the feeling you must get when you cross the line in your first national, having got round at the age of seventeen, what was that like? It's a bit surreal because you hear so many stories and like you speak to all these people, get as much advice, and you speak people like Graham Porner who's about 80 and rode in about 50 Grand Nationals I wouldn't be the most intelligent so like, I remember like the vague things and like just watch beaches and the canal turn slow up for that like the basics I just try and remember but other than that it was just a blur and you sort of go with it and I think self-preservation they're a lot bigger back then than what they were now because you had the fixed post and now they have the easy fix a bit more friendly but back then it was a bit you get around survive and then worry about the race or three quarters of the way around were the elder jockeys in the weighing room at the time quite forthcoming with advice? And are you the jockey that is like, for for example, this year, if there's a jockey having their first ride, will you be helping them out? Is is there quite a sort of a camaraderie in that sense? It's got a lot more professional now. They have like course walks at 10 o'clock with these old jockeys that, you know, give the younger lads special help. And that, you know, they're, they're at every race course now. Like It's basically like mini coaches and um the game's just fast forward in 10 years. It's come a lot so far. I like this breathalyzers, drug testers. They, and they wouldn't have been 10 years ago. And it's all got quite professional, which you needed to, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's a lot different to what it was. I wonder whether you would have passed I'm that breathalyzer that on, the, <laughs> on the first year. Um, do you... The ballots definitely went up. So the lads who look after us, they love injury, get out in the town. It's like it's the highlight of the year for us. It's much more relaxed in Cheltenham. And you go out there, you do enjoy it. And um, obviously the racing, you've got to concentrate on, but it, it's a, it's an enjoyable few days as you run it. So there is still that entry element of people enjoying being in the city of Liverpool and, and sort of enjoying the, 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 the buzz around the Grand National. Yeah, it's like... And to be honest, like lean up to it, I would never get texts off anyone like saying good luck, good luck today. You'd have about 50 in the morning from like your school friends, they'll be like texting you good luck, good luck. And it's just the people look at the Grand National more, even more than the Cheltenham Festival. Like Cheltenham Festival is our Olympics, but the Grand National is, is the one that sort of sets you to the wider public. And it's such a big thing for racing. I think it needs to be promoted because that's what the people talk about. And um, it's such a great, it's like the Derby on the flat. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's like Wimbledon. And it's, it's the one that draws the crowd. You've ridden the favourite in the race as well. What was the pressure like going out on board the favourite, the one that near enough the whole nation was siding with? 
<laughs> yeah, I finished third on him the year before, and I was literally looking forward to it, but sustained an injury just before the chair, and I fell off him, which is not the best place to fall off because the crowd are all there. So, <laughs> so um, like, yeah, I've had highs and lows, but um, the year before he was exceptional, and um, I don't think, you know, like Tom Scoo's obviously looking to ride the Cloth Cup of this year, but when you're a jockey, you don't, you obviously have to do more media, more more sort of things but sort of an hour or two before the race you focus you're in your way and room you're talking to your mates you concentrate on the race beforehand and you've got to try and shut that out because um it'd probably be a little less different this year because obviously the cars won't be there but um it's, i suppose it's like when charlie's in the fa cup or like there's a big match and you're being asked to talk to every media you sort of do it say a bit you sort of say the same thing to about five people and then just go back in and concentrate on the game hand Hey, that's exactly right. But I don't think you know you'll ride yet in the Grand National, but if you could have the pick of any rides, who would you ride in the race? Clock up. John Joe Nils. I think he's been exceptional. He's a great touch with like going into the race. You wouldn't want to pick anything else. And um, if it is genuine good ground, he seems to bounce off that. He looks a straightforward ride. He, I'm pretty convinced he'll stay that trip. He's well in in the handicap. Would have been nice to get a bit lighter, but... John Joe's horses are in for normal form and um, he knows exactly what it takes to win a national and um, she's owned by Trevor Hemmings. He's got, he ticks every single box you want and he's a worthy favourite. I know it's boring. Um, I rode a horse the other day called Potter's Corner. He's the Welsh national winner. Um, if it come out real heavy, he might have a chance. Um, there's like, there's a few you can make cases in there, but I think generally the, it's a genuine favourite and he's a worthy favourite. That is Cloth Cap, who is the market leader for the um... Grand National, which is coming up in a few weeks' time, and he will be ridden by Tom Scudamore. Now, I know in racing it's important to try and bring the jockeys to life, to let the racing fans know and learn a bit more about the jockeys. And you've already given us a terrific insight into the weighing room, both at Cheltenham and at Aintree. So I'm going to get you, Nick, if we can, in a quick fire round to give us the first word that springs to mind when I say the name of these jockeys. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> All right. And you could be as honest. Or as dishonest as you want, actually, but <laughs> it's up to you. First one is the jockey of Cloth Cap, who is Tom Scudamore. Um, should be living in the 1960s. <laughs> uh, can you elaborate? He's the most old-fashioned, and if you get him on a subject about 1964 Gold Cup, he'll go on for about 10 minutes, and he'll probably tell you a song that was related to it, and he just blank out because he just goes on and on. And as soon as someone sets him off on something old, that his probably great great granddad would have ridden, and he just goes on and on. And it's just it's storytelling. Like it's great if you're interested, but you know, <laughs> yeah. Chaz, is there anyone like that in the QPR dressing room? No, they're quite young. They're young lads, so it's not too bad. I'll tell you what, it's a bit like Jeff Cameron. With, he's got an opinion on the on COVID every other day, mate. So it only takes one person to start him off, and that's it. <laughs> uh, his dress sense is awful, Tom Scoo. Honestly, you wouldn't. I don't know where he gets the clothes from. You wouldn't think they'd sell them. <laughs> <laughs> what about um, the multiple champion jockey, Richard Johnson? Gentlemen, time for everyone. Um, no matter what day of the week, good day, bad day, he can be having a horrendous day, and he'll still he'll talk to the seven pound claimer. He'll talk to you know. Even he's probably not a champion jockey. He's no different at the moment. You know, he he he's just a he's day in day out the same person, and um, you couldn't say a bad word about him. That's so good, good to hear. Well. 
Charlie, have there been players that you've really looked up to that you've met and you've thought, wow, like, you know, they say never meet your heroes, but have you met a hero of yours and thought, what a top lad? I, I, listen, I, I, the person, I, mine was Joey Barton because everyone has a, an opinion of him before they've met him. And that's just a, that's just the character he is. I thought he was brilliant. brilliant. Honestly, for me, I thought he was brilliant. When you meet, meet him face to face, I remember when I first went to sign for QPR, uh, Bianca come down from, from Burnley and I, I come home after the game show for Wednesday. Joe asked me what I was doing in the evening. I said, I'm going out for dinner with, a, with, with my wife. He went, oh, won't you come, with, like, come out for dinner with me? I was like, all right, fine. So I went back to the hotel. I said, no, like, we're going out for dinner with Joe Barton tonight. And she was like, no, I ain't. I was like, I was like, come on, like, it's a teammate. We have to, like, it's the first time. She's like, okay, fine. Literally go out for dinner and stuff, come back and, like, in the evening. She's like, oh, my God, my, my opinion of him has changed just having one one evening like do you know what I mean spent in his company um okay let's continue our look into the weighing room Harry Skelton Nick what's he like mad yeah he's a freak honestly I don't know if you have it in football but I was at Hereford yesterday and obviously he's chasing the championship and he is absolutely revved to the max if he, he'd have blown a gasket if he was a car so he's basically in the weighing room banging the wall because one got beat <laughs> and like he's just honestly he's zoned to the max like this championship like which is great to see but like honestly his wife Bridget must be getting it at the moment like, I just feel sorry for her really um, that's really interesting is he, is he is it proper tense in the weighing room now about this championship then <laughs> I just try to avoid it because like if he gets beat on one he's just like fuck you know like he's yeah throwing and um wow and like like he's just mad to get Brian Hughes and he'll do anything and he's absolutely zoned like he's just revved to the eyeballs who do you think is going to win it I think momentum's with Harry at the moment and he's got the support of his brother and Ollie Murphy's putting him up um and they're going all out to win it like he's zoned and Brian will need his own trainers to sort of have have a good run because Harry's going all out to win it at the moment what about Sam Twiston Davis Nick Bachelor of the Cotswolds. Is he? <laughs> a smooth operator, really, isn't he? Um, <laughs> He's going to love you. Uh, and what about Nico de Bonville? Posh. He's, Nico's Nico, but he's very intelligent. And I actually enjoy having a conversation with him. I'm not that clever, but you sort of ask him and he's, he, he puts a good light on everything, you know. And um, he's... Um, well, he doesn't say much, but what he does say is worth listening to. Thank you for that. That's given us a terrific yeah. insight into the way we think, Charles. Wouldn't you agree? I didn't know yeah. that about you. Can you tell us about the TV presenters? <laughs> no. We're moving on to the studs up hat trick, which is, which is a regular feature on studs up. And Nick, this is where we ask you three questions, the same questions that we ask every guest. It's the final thing we need from you before we say thank you and goodbye on Studs Up. So quick fire round, but we might get you to elaborate. So the first question in the hat trick, who is the biggest influence on your career been? Paul Nichols. Um, I went there from 16, just left school. Um, he looked after me, nurtured me and um, made me champion amateur. Over 100 winners, grade one winner, festival winner, injury winner. Um, rides in the Grand National and um, he just gave me something that no one else could and um, you know he, I'll never forget you know what he's done for me Who's the best horse or jockey that you've worked with in racing? You can pick one of the two horse or jockey um, Worked with Ruby Walsh 
needs no introduction and probably I was around when Cato and Demon were around so although I didn't ride them in a race just to see what they did and you know it was remarkable. Who would who what team were you in Corto or Denman? I was in the Denman fan club but there's a tank in me and I just was always in these and that you know I love Sammy as well and it was great for him. And finally Nick what's been your most embarrassing moment in racing? Here all night, man. <laughs> um, was it when was it when Anthony not jumped on a horse and you got back in the winning enclosure on the ball? I've done some funny things for odds checker actually um, over the years. They, they, they seem to humiliate me well. <laughs> um, well, they'll be delighted. Maybe they'll be a bit annoyed actually that that you haven't humiliated yourself on this this podcast. Um, you've been an absolute star and. Uh, we're all thrilled that you were able to to represent the Brits well at Cheltenham and get in the winners' enclosure. And um, it's so good to see you back riding with a smile on your face, mate. So um, a huge thanks for for joining us and yeah, a huge congratulations you. on your uh, on your festival win, Nick. No, thanks very much for having me. It's been a privilege. Cheers, Nick. It's been a pleasure, mate. You've been good fun. Uh, this week. A slightly different take on the Charlie's ramp because it's the international break. So uh, I want to get your thoughts on, you know, the San Marino thing. A lot of people, as Chaz, have spoken about San Marino and what the ultimately what's the point of England playing San Marino. We're recording this before the match, so I'm sure when people are listening to this, there would no doubt be a comfortable victory for England. Famous last words. But um, it, it got me thinking about your experience in the England camp because you got called up can you just take us back to when you got the call up and how that came about well, I just scored 18 Premier League goals for, for QPR the team that just got relegated which was was an achieve, individual achievement in itself but to be part of a team that that got relegated obviously isn't isn't great um, so I got the call up and received a, a message from from the FA uh, Michelle is the PR lady at the time and she sent the message for us with my wife and I, listen, I couldn't believe it. You know, it was, it was an amazing feeling and, and went there and it was just, it was almost perfect, mate. I just getting called up was, an, was one thing and it was an amazing achievement, but just not to get a cap was, uh, was tough. I was thinking about that because you get that far. It's almost like you're sort of, you're at the finish line then you're about to get your cap and to not get on that, does that still sting? Yeah, that still stings. I think if I look back at my football career, that would be the one disappointment out of it all, mm. about not getting an England cap, considering the way I personally performed throughout the throughout the season for QPR, and then not to be able to to get that cap. That was tough, mate. That was tough. And I heard you on Talk Sport this week saying that it's kind of there's snobbery, if you like, with the bigger clubs. Do you think? I mean, you you got to the squad, but do you think if you had played for a a bigger club than QPR, no disrespect to them, you know, a Tottenham, a what have you, an Arsenal, I just, United. On that point, I just, I just think it's it's easier to leave somebody out playing for QPR at that time yeah. than what it would have been, say, someone in the top six. That's that's where I went with it. Yeah. It's easier to leave players out for the lesser teams. When you, for those new players, the Ollie Watkins and the Sam Johnson, when they turn up at St George's Park or wherever they're based. <clears throat> who, who? What happens when you get off the? You, do you drive yourself there? Do you? I don't, how no, does it all work? you get you get cars arranged for you from the 
from England and they obviously take you there. But most of the t- lads play with each other. Now you play with each other week in, week out. It looks a lot, it looks a tight knit bunch, don't it? Group, do you know what I mean? From outside looking in, it looks like all the lads are close, close together. So it'd be, it'd be daunting for them when they first go there. But as soon as they're there, you just, as soon as you get on the trading pitch, then everything takes care of itself, really. Was it quite welcoming for you, or was it? A, was there like? Yeah, but Rob Green was obviously there when I was, but you played against it. But Rooney was the cap. Wayne Rooney was the captain at the time, and he was brilliant. He come and spoke to me. He said to me, "Look, if there's anything you need or anything you want, look, just come and ask me, and I'll arrange it for you." But like, if you're not, if you're unsure about things, just come to me. He was brilliant, to be honest. That's great. Yeah, he probably it, it, he's quite intimidating, right? Of course, you imagine going now. I was only I was 24 at the time. I don't know. I played against all these in the, in the year throughout the year in the Premier League. But to go there and to be involved with the England squad and to be involved with the the top top players of this country could pick at the time. It was fantastic. I've heard other players talk about this like Liverpool clique, Man U clique in the England squads, and it's sort of normal, I guess, that you'd gravitate towards people that you're mates with and yeah. you spend every day with. But was it quite a was it was it not like that when you were there? When you're having lunches and dinners and stuff, are you all sort of sat around sitting uh, wherever? Yeah, everyone was sitting wherever because it was quite a younger. I think that happened beforehand when, like, you had, mm. like you say, the Man United, Chelsea, all them fighting for it. But everybody now was mixing and integrating fine, and I just think that's even more so now. That's shown in the results, England, the direction they've gone. That everybody gets on with each other a lot better. The feeling that you must get when you put that training top on with the three lions for any young boy girl out there just to have that that dream to play for England and to to be involved in it can you can you remember what you when you got given your training kit how you yeah I just mate I just remember putting on looking in the mirror and just thinking wow do you know what I mean just (laughs) gobsmacked really and like I said it just goes back that's what you do every day I know mate I just think it's a bit (laughs) of sweet the England side was a bittersweet moment, mate, because as for almost it was great with that little bit for not to actually put on the shirt and go across the white line and, and to get that cap. That was that was quite tough. And like I say, it still hurts, right? It yeah, when like I look back. Hurts. Yeah, 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 definitely. And when I think back about, like I say, if I, when I retire and I look back over my career, that would be one of the deciding factors that would disappoint me the most. Did you ever look into later on, maybe after a couple of years after that, did you ever look at... <laughs> This is don't laugh, but did you ever look into your family tree to see if you had any Scottish grandparents? A few or Welsh times, right? Like before this happened, a few times I said to my dad, Are we got any Scottish or anything? He's like, No, child, just just pure English. I was like, oh, Brilliant, but no, it is what that's what it is, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's one of them. I definitely looked into the family tree, you never know, you never know, do you? So, um, do you get any of the other like Scottish FA ring you up to say, like? You don't happen to have a Scottish name. No, I, I, yeah, no, I never had any of that. I've never <laughs> had none of that. Um, it would have been an avenue I'd probably look down if the if the opportunity was was there, but it was it was nothing. It was there was nothing there for that. Could be Irish, Charlie O. Austin. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want to be Irish in racing this week. Yeah, you're not wrong, mate. You're not wrong. It's great to hear you talk about it, but actually also quite sad in a way i don't mean that sort of i'm not taking the mick yeah, right? yeah. no it no, must no i'll be get you so tough so close man excitement of me and my family and yeah. everything do you know what i mean then just to be so close and not to achieve the ultimate goal the ultimate dream mate is yeah 
Yeah, man, it's, it is gutting. And when you speak about it, and actually, when I, as much as you can speak, and I get all excited when, and do you know, and animated when I when I speak about anything. But when I do think about that and talk about that, then it just kind of, yeah, it kicks me back. If that, makes, if you know, if that, that have you sense. kept any memorabilia from your time within the? I mean, I've got my two. Camp? Yeah, I've got my two football tops up like, upstairs, but they're hanging up, and I'd. I mean, it's great to see my name and number 18 in the back and it all imprinted and embroidered on there. But to not have a, to not have worn it, do you know what I mean? It's quite tough. So they're just hanging up. But listen, they're there and it's, it's a bit, like I say, mate, the perfect work experience, a bittersweet moment. Mm. I don't want to end on such a sort of sad tale. So what have you got this, uh, what are you doing for the rest of your, <laughs> your break? You've got a few days off, right? Yeah, a few days off, mate. Just, date, night gonna... with the date night with Mrs. Austin. Date night with Mrs. Austin, which is Thursday night. You guys will not hear this till Friday. Date night with Mrs. Austin, Thursday, and then just relax, mate. And then we're back in on Sunday, actually, because we play on Good Friday. So, and the golf course is open next week. So, I'm oh, seeing on 9.54 <laughs> next Tuesday. So, I can't wait, pal. So, you... no, it's always a bright light for it. I've ordered my new, I've ordered a dozen Callaway triple stripes. Right. Get on this, right? I've ordered a bag of teas, obviously. Then when I've gone to click out, it said item also bought with this. Mate, I've bought a wire brush and I for my irons. I mean, <laughs> An I iron cleaner. Do, yeah, like who do I think I am? <laughs> what do you Honestly, pay off? Twelve. Oh mate, we've got to have a game. I cannot wait. It's gonna be so good. And actually, in all seriousness, like people have really struggled through lockdown. We've you and I have been fortunate. You've been able to to do what you love. Do your job. So have I. But I think everyone up and down the country and all over the world is is pretty excited to be looking at hopefully what is quite a large light at the end of what's been a pretty desperate tunnel. So I'll see you on a golf course soon, mate, I hope. Yes, you will, pal. Yes, you will. Uh, we'll have a studs up round of golf. Um, we have, as always, got our studs up double. And this week is no different because the flat is back. The Lincoln at Doncaster is uh kind of the kickstarter to the flat season and that's where i'm going for my selection i'm going for hikiki for john gosden is the favorite or certainly towards the top of the market but there's a seven pound claimer riding him who i think is going to be the next big thing in racing it's the first time john gosden's used an apprentice in about 30 years i think and um i think him taking off seven pounds is uh is invaluable so for me it it is Hakiki in the Lincoln. Benoit Dallasayet is the jockey. And John and Thady Gosden, his son, on the license as well now, will be my leg of the double, which I need to raise my game because you were successful in the Cheltenham leg. So what have you gone for this week, Chaz? I have gone over in Maidan for the Dubai World Cup, but I've gone in the UAE derby and I've gone for Manesic. Manesic? Uh, yeah. Ridden, trained by Doug Watson, ridden by a good friend of mine, Sam Hitchcock. I know he he likes likes a horse a lot, and fingers crossed he can he can end his time over in Dubai with a winner. Yeah, terrific. So that's the double Manesek in Dubai in Maidan and Hakiki at Doncaster in the three ten for me. Um, just to let you know, Skybet's Cheltenham offer the money back as cash if you lose was credited over a million times across day one and day two of the festival, which is remarkable. So loads of people taking advantage of that offer. And this weekend, make sure you check the Skybet app for similar offers. I'm sure there'll be plenty plenty out there ahead of this weekend's racing. And you can go and find the Studs Up Double in the horse racing tabs, the special market. It's on the Skybet website or app. And you can uh, row in with me and Charlie. We've had 
so many times we've hit the crossbar. It's almost been a studs up crossbar challenge without actually having to try and hit the crossbar because we've had one of us has come in every week, but we haven't mate, quite had the elusive double. We're getting so close, mate. And and yeah. I just feel this that week, I feel it. this week could be the one where we go and we take we take it by storm, mate. I really feel it. And how good would it be to end this series with a studs up double going in? Because this is the last of what's been a thoroughly enjoyable series. And Chaz, I've got to say, it's been an absolute pleasure, um, pleasure working with you on this. And um, let's hope we can get that double in. Oh, mate, it's been absolutely, I've enjoyed every moment, even to when we look all the way back to, to the one with Ali McCoy's the first one, all the way to <laughs> now. Like, look, it's, it's been amazing. I've loved every minute of it. And what a way to finish. Can we get the double in? It'd be the perfect ending, wouldn't it? Definitely. And and you you look back and the listeners and viewers will not give two hoots about this. But when you think about the technical issues we've had, when we had Jack Cork moving his computer from his office to his kitchen, kicking the kids out, Ian Dowie trying to work Skype, us trying to charge our computers. like Charlie Austin, had... trying, to ch- what, Charlie Austin <laughs> trying to charge his MacBook. Yeah, that's what I was going to. Charlie often forgetting to charge his uh, computer. But I am delighted to report, Chaz, and you're like this, that technical issues no more because we will have, in a few weeks' time, a Grand National special of Studs Up and we will be alongside each other in the Studs Up dressing room in the flesh, Chaz. So we will see you then. Uh, I hope that we will see the listeners and the viewers then as well. Uh, We'll be back in a few weeks, as I say, for the uh, Studs Up Grand National special A big thanks to Nick Schofield. Thanks to Charlie for joining me in the Studs Up dressing room once again. And as always, thanks to Oddschecker Skybet. But most importantly, thanks to you guys for tuning in, listening and watching. Uh, Like, subscribe, rate us, do what you need to do. But make sure you join us next time on Studs Up. Studs Up.